Shalom, everybody, and welcome to the Shai Fleischer Show, broadcasting live from Judea to the world, and you're a part of it wherever you are. Shalom to Malka Fleischer. Hello, hello. Malka, I want to wish you a Mazal Tov. Oh, yeah? Uh, this week celebrates a day that has not yet been created, but it celebrates uh, a brainchild of mine. Yes. Which is National Israeli Birthers and Birth birth Coaches and Birth Doula and Birth uh, Midwives birthing support people that's right it's it's a whole birthing whole, industry that's friends. right day <laughs> which means that that we're going to celebrate a day one day which is going to celebrate uh the jewish and israeli mom yes uh the 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 hospitals the midwives and the whole thing and that is because in this week's torsha in torah portion of shmot there is a large section which is dedicated to the secret conspiracy that Pharaoh had to kill the Jewish babies and the midwives who refused to comply with that and right. the birth of the, the Jewish birth rate went up. Um, I happen to um, be a fan of an alternative reading uh, of the Torah portion that really says that these two women that are the birthers, the, the, the midwives, yes. uh, are not the Jewish midwives that the Midrash says they are. I, I respect the Midrash very much. You know, I'm a bit Midrash fan, but I think that it, it makes a lot of sense that, that what Pharaoh was saying, he was saying to his people, look, let's kill off the, the Jews and here's the, do it. It, it, here's the way to do it. It's a conspiracy with his people and his people sense a morality that is, that is above that and they refuse to do that. And they Wait, say, that's, where are you getting that? That's uh, your interpretation? no. No, 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 no. There are, there are, uh, uh, there are commentators that say that, and also Rabbi Yitzchak Shalom was just explaining to us. He's like, does it make sense that that they would say that he would say to Jewish women, "Listen, here's the conspiracy. I want you to kill the babies." Like, not here's the conspiracy, but you are my subjects. Yeah, and you're gonna do what I tell you to do, or I'm gonna kill you and your family. It's just hard. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard for for me to believe that. It's just hard for me to. It's much easier to believe. Why you think that Egyptian women were coming in and into Goshen? It was a and, hospital and doing. There wasn't a hospital. They would go to people's houses. There was no hospital, Ishai. People were not going to the birthing hospital. I'm saying it was it was the system. It was the whatever system it was, and uh, they had. Well, you had to schlep on over to a, a whole different uh, region and call in the Egyptian birth birth person. Maybe they can't. Maybe there was a central, you know, kupat cholim. Like yeah, like like you know, the the tent of birthing, you know, that type of thing. In any case, whatever, whatever, whoever it is, the Torah lays out a big phrase in the beginning, yeah. a, a big, a big group of uh, verses that talks about not only the Jewish women giving birth, but also the uh, midwives and their importance, and that they saw the God and God gave them houses because He blessed them that they didn't carry out this conspiracy to murder to infanticide and kill these uh, Jewish baby right. boys and and there's a lot about that and really the whole Torah portion starts with and they grew and they grew and they grew I feel like in Israel mm -hmm. one of the biggest things that we do our biggest industry is child birthing child rearing child raising child educating right and it's like the biggest like it's the biggest story sometimes people talk to me about Aliyah we talk about Aliyah a lot Aliyah is very important, but like the biggest Aliyah of them all is is the Jewish children born, and you have here whole systems that are laid out with such care and concern uh, for for Jewish birth that uh, that it needs more it needs more honoring attention, yeah, it right? Needs more, it attention. Needs more attention, and honoring, and I I really like that. Or maybe, yeah, or maybe it doesn't. You know, sometimes sometimes I always think to myself when I think about these things, I'm like, maybe the beauty of it is that it's hidden away and it's not like. You know, you know. Well, I think I think that though you've caught on, like you you've uh, you've made the magic calculation though when you tie it into the parsha, right? I think that the fact that you uh, that you take a moment to honor the the midwives of ancient Israel and and use it to to honor the midwives and the birthing uh, peoples of modern Israel. I think that that's really nice and really special, and I think that people would enjoy right. to take a moment to acknowledge the the greatness of of all that long history and and uh, how many babies does Sharit Tzedek Hospital have a year? Like so, 20, I don't 000? remember something like that, like twenty five thousand babies yeah. a year, something crazy. But I do know, I don't know the number, 
anymore. I used to know because we looked it up one time. No, they 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 publicize. No, but it's, it, it grows every year. It grows, right. and they there are like four departments in the hospital for like there are four wings in the hospital Wards. just dedicated to women post birth. It's huge, and I I one of the my favorite factoids is that um, Sharid Sedek Hospital in Jerusalem has the most births per year in the world every year every year they they like win the award for the hospital that has the most births because uh, i guess you know there are places first of all that women aren't necessarily giving birth all the time in the hospital but also because um having children here is is such a like um, desired action, meaning to say there are places in the world where there's a much greater emphasis on preventing um, pregnancy, preventing birth. And here it's the or, very or, opposite. Or terminating birth, terminating pregnancy. Right, right yeah. for whatever it is, right. right, whatever it is. And here it's the opposite. Fertility and birth are a uh, a big uh, big aspect of, of the medical industry in Israel. Right. It, that's exactly right, and and uh, and I just think to myself, wow! Like every year we like read about this stuff. Exactly like you said, it's like I'm like I'm like you see like it like you put such an emphasis on it, so it's beautiful. Yeah, that's Spe- really nice. Speaking One of these days we're gonna we're gonna enshrine that. Speaking of birthing, uh, you know we give we make babies, but the enemies want to kill Jews, right? Yes. Uh, that's like the uh, the opposite. They're like, oh no, let's uh, kill the Jews. And uh, my buddy uh, Eliashiv Nachum was stabbed yesterday yes uh with multiple stabs and my other friend who who is not related to that friend who was just down there helping he's an electrician mm-hmm. and he was down there helping with at, some at r- that at your friend's farm at my friend's farm in the southern hebron hills the yehuda chavat yehuda the judea farm and uh, the stabber came i don't know the details of how, how he came exactly i'll get the details today uh but my other friend Saved Eliashiv's life and killed the uh, terrorist. The attacker. Now, uh, Eliashiv is married to Roni. They have three kids. Uh, Roni happens to be the daughter of my colleague, Noam Arnon. Uh, and now uh, the sheep, the many sheep the, the, that are there are going to be, they, they need, the they need farm walks. needs support. Yeah, they yeah. need walking. They need grazing. Uh, and by the way, um, the mayor of one of the next door Arab towns. Yeah. Uh, threatened to murder Eliashiv just what? last week. That's right. That's right. Because because his work, on top of being a farmer, a pioneer, a father, a shepherd, is also a, a land keeper, a ranger, if you will. Right. And they don't like his rangering because when he because ranges on the where he roves when he roves on the range, then what what happens is that he tells the army where the uh, snap uh, Arab land grabs are happening. Right. And they stop him. They stop. They stop these land grabs. So the the jihad threatened and executed. Tried to try to wow. kill. Uh, luckily, he was. Thank God, we killed. We killed them. Yeah, but Not there you them, go. Not them. Him. That's we right. killed the attacker, but that's the right. mayor is still at large. I guess yeah, that's right. That's right. So so there you go. Um, and I posted on my social media a little uh, Hebrew language start. Uh, um, um, What's it called? The crowd crowdfunding campaign, because uh-huh. in Hebrew they call it head start or start, yeah, whatever. Yeah. It's confusing. So anyway, I, my my tongue got confused. Ah, uh, so and what's the what's the money being raised for? To for the upkeep of the farm while he's, while he's recovering. recovering. While right. he's recovering, absolutely. So there you go, Malka. They should put down another five farms. Malka, speaking of uh, uh, of of birthing and trying to kill us. Yes. Y- 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 you know what what causes Jewish birth? What. It it's a yearning and a passion for life, and the yearning and the passion for life comes from having an internal drive, internal drive to r- resurrect our peoplehood, um, see our land flourish, and through all that, see the vision of God fulfill the greatest, the greatest human adventure in the last two thousand years which is the rebirth of the Jewish people in the land of Israel. It is a thing of epic proportions. But I was listening to a podcast with this Israeli guy who's kind of famous. His name is Yuval Noah Harari. Yeah, who is he? 
He's a philosopher and historian and, and a best-selling author. And this guy is, uh, you know, and he's very famous. He wrote this book called Sapiens, which is the kind of story of human history. And in this podcast that he's talking, which I didn't finish because I had to like process, he was just talking about how he doesn't believe in God from a young age, how he doesn't Boy. believe the Jewish story. And therefore, and he says this very, by the way, honestly, he says the basis of Israeli nationalism. Ugh. So he doesn't believe in Jews almost. He doesn't believe in Jews. And he says, he goes, who knows if in a thousand years there'll be a Jewish people. All right. And I'm like. I thought he was a person who's a historian of right, Jews. Right, right, and, 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 and Of, got, of uh, peoples. This guy's, by the way, very famous yeah. and, and very smart and very not popular. Not that smart, evidently. Well, he's not that. Or too smart for his own good. Right, exactly. And uh, and I, th- I, I tell you, Monk, I was listening to him and a chill ran down my spine. Why? I, because I heard. The death rattle of nihilism. What and does that mean? I heard the emptiness of meaninglessness. I heard the the deep idea of Amalek, which is nihilism. Hmm. And my buddy Jake sent me a definition of nihilism. I'll listen to this. Okay. Nihilism is the belief that all values are baseless and that nothing can be known or communicated. It is often associated with extreme pessimism and a radical skepticism that condemns existence. A true nihilist would believe in nothing, having no loyalties and no purpose other than perhaps the impulse to destroy. This is from the Encyclopedia of Philosophy, so these guys know what they're talking about. And it's like, he he says in this interview, again, which I didn't even finish, uh, and I will, he says... He says, the guy asks him about the purpose, the meaning of life, the purpose. He goes, that's not the important question. What is the important question? Right. And I'm like, I'm like thinking, what is the Oh, so you're question? waiting for that part of the interview? No. And he says, and he answers. I, oh, I also, yeah? like you, okay. like, was like, I was like, I was like, drum roll, please. Yeah. And he says, uh, suffering. The question of suffering. What? Wait, say that again. What's the, the real purpose? question. The, the real important question, not purpose. He, he says, the purpose of life, the meaning of life is not the important question. The really important question is suffering. That? Well, well let, let me, let's, let's just give it, fair, let's give it a fair shake, which Go is ahead. there's a lot of horrible suffering. It's if, true, but like how many art scroll books are there about this subject? Okay, but no, but that always comes from a place of, uh, well, I thought, I thought to myself, let's an, I thought to myself, let's analyze this. And I, I don't. I didn't go to philosophy class for this, but let, I'm like, let's analyze this. If the real, if the real purpose of the world or the real question is how to end suffering, but meaning is not that important, then basically the best thing to do is to end suffering. It's so funny. Wait, because, wait, wait. Let me finish. Yeah. Let me finish. And therefore, if you end the way to end suffering, and since the world is meaningless anyway, so the best way to end suffering is to end this and life. Life. It's 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 a nihilism. It's so funny, Ishai, because at the very beginning of existence of mankind, there was no suffering, and that worked out very badly. And so God introduced suffering so that life would have more meaning and depth to it, and that life would be more successful. Uh, There is a question of suffering. You no know, one wants there, suffering. Everyone tries to avoid suffering, and a lot of a lot of people really, really try to avoid suffering to such a degree that they like they comfort themselves out of existence. It's it's just 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 kind of a weird side note. Yesterday, uh, our one of our kids mentioned that like she she doesn't like China so much because the way that we are today's in today's atmosphere, China is this big you know thing you know swallowing the world. And everything is made in China, that kind of thing. I said to her, you know, and I, I had just that very day been watching some World War II stuff. When I need to calm down, you know, yeah, you're I watch a little insights into the mind of Yishai Fleischer. When I when I need to calm down a little bit, I need to take a break from this world. I watch stuff about World War II. Yeah, and, not me. And uh, I was watching about you know how Japan horribly invaded China and 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 did unspeakable crimes there, really unspeakable crimes, like really bad stuff. 
and and i'm just saying like so much perception of like who's good and who's bad based on today but like if you if you just kind of peel back a little bit of history things things change in any case i'm not sure why i brought that up but um um yeah so nihilism gotta watch out for that for that nihilism uh, I'll make one last point, and then and then I know you got some very good stories to 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 talk about. But I just got a lot of stuff on my little mind here. Go ahead. Um, I was talking yet again with Jake, and I said to him, um, "Do you notice that the international left funds two kinds of education? For the Jews, they're always pushing on us progressive liberalism. Gay is good. Arabs are exactly equal, if not better." Uh, Judaism is a, is fuddy duddy. Uh, be modern, be scientific, be liberal. Every uh, uh, you know the, the the everything is equal. Um, uh, what else? Uh, a, a state of all its peoples. Judean Samaria is, is you know it's anti democratic to hold on to Judean Samaria. So therefore, it's anti our values because we'll have a apartheid state if we hold on to this land. All this kind of teaching, right? They fund this kind of teaching. But for the Arabs, what do they fund? Through UNRWA and these other things, what do they fund? And through the PA that they fund? What? Jihadist teaching. Right. Which is, this, Militancy. is, our, this is our land. The Jews stole Sacrifice. it. F- f- fight and die for, for your land. Um, Allah is great. Uh, Islam is great. Um, uh, the Jews are therefore a Dahimi people, and that's the way it should be, right? And et cetera, et cetera, right? So, so, so the, the global left teaches Jews to be liberal, progressive, and accepting, and Arabs to be jihadist and, and not accepting. Uh, imagine if it was the other way, which is the way I would like to see it, which is the other way. Teach the Jews to be like, no, this is our land, and we have our Judaism. We're not trying to destroy anybody else, but this is our land, this is our Judaism, this is our way. And for Arabs to be like, let's accept the Jews as part of the beautiful family of nations and especially our family around here and maybe we should modernize and go into the modern world and 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 give women their freedom and give and give uh, you know all different parts of our society the the right to voice themselves like it should be exactly the opposite uh, of where it's going so so i wonder you know like 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 the the money that's going from the progressive world towards israel is there in order to cause conflict and destroy the jewish people right they definitely israel. foment conflict they foment conflict. That is for sure. Right. You can argue whether they they want to and whether their ideas are are good or bad, but they are the the things that they teach make it worse and not better. Right. Around here. That's right. And Malka, indeed, we are fighting for the Jewish state. Am I right? We are that we are in the middle of of a battle uh, to get our birth. Uh, and our way uh, forward without nihilism, but with faith. Tell me about this new government and what it's trying to do. Well, we uh, we have a totally different story going down here in this new coalition. Uh, they really hit the ground running, and there's so many things going on right now, different fronts that the government is trying to achieve reform. So we're all trying to like understand what the big changes are and whether they're good changes or bad changes. Um, I just want to say that one change that I like is on the diplomatic front. Our um, our foreign affairs committee chairman, Yuli Edelstein, who used to be Knesset speaker and is a longtime uh, Likud MK, he met with U.S. ambassador to Israel, Tom Nides. And some of you may remember that he was pretty critical, for example, of uh, Ben Gvir, Itamar Ben Gvir, our Minister of National Security, going up to the Temple Mount, that it threatens the status quo. And the, as uh, as you know, the Biden administration, as all of you know, the Biden administration is is very much uh, old school uh, when it comes to treating Israel, not uh, talking to Israel. They they want uh, to maintain status quo, that Jordan should stay happy, and they want and want to keep the Palestinians happy. And they reiterating again that anything that is against the two state solution is, in their words, unacceptable, as if they have to accept. But and uh, that is unacceptable to them that we would do anything like that. So our unacceptable. For- unacceptable. 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 Right. Okay. So our so our uh, foreign affairs committee uh, chair Yuli Edelstein sat down with Tom Nides on some other topics, including Iran, including Judea and Samaria. These like you know keywords that America and and Israel constantly are hitting with each other, 
And Yuli Edelstein very openly told Nides that we intend to continue building in Judea and Samaria, which I personally thought was excellent. I was very, very happy with that. First of all, I just believe in just, you know, I know that diplomacy is like a whole art and there's like all kinds of, you know, thinking behind how you present ideas in a public forum, global forum, etc. But I like a little honesty. I like that. Just say. I think. I think just say what you think, in. and yeah. and do what you think, and everything can be courteous and nice, and everything with rights and all this. But just say what it is that you intend to do, and go ahead and do it. Don't Very be good. sneaky. Don't be tricky. Well, yesterday also I saw that Prime Minister Netanyahu, who P.S. was looking good. Yeah. Looking trim. God bless. Looking that guy. looking good. His face was good. The makeup oh, artist he loves did a great being job. Prime Minister of the State of Israel. He's so, so he's happy. Really good. He's like, you know, I heard him. I heard him walking yeah. down the hallway in the cassette. He's like, I'm the Prime Minister. <laughs> I'm the Prime Minister. He was skipping. He was skipping. No, you can no. tell by the way yeah. I move my yeah. I'm the Prime Minister. I'm the Prime Minister. No time to talk. That's right. He's and uh, by, by the way, there was a. He's a master on on um, on Instagram. Is Instagram, he? he's he loves crazy. social media. So, so we had you he, guys. I feel bad for anyone who didn't, who was never part of Israeli, um, like political advertising and never got to see Netanyahu political ads. I, I gotta, they I got the best. You gotta see this Instagram video. He, he basically, you just see him coming out of like a fast car and like all the security all around him, and then he just goes into this like chopper. He'd like shake hands with the pilot and the pilot's got like got his face covered yeah. and he's like, and the rotators are rotating and stuff like that. The rotors are rotating yeah. and he just walks into the chopper and that's the whole video. But you're like, dang, you're the man. Like, it's <laughs> like that. It's like, it's just like, it's just like, like, there's just like, there's like these secret security guards are standing there and there's this like whatever car like pulls up and then you just see him come out and you see the chopper rotors, you know, going and he just kind of walks up, shakes the hand and the pilot goes in uh, and he writes like, authoritative. It doesn't look like he's confused in the room that he's standing in. Yeah. Not only that, to it also looks like Israel. It looks yeah. like Israel's boss. Oh, nice. That's what it looks like. It looks like Israel is a boss country, and and it's just it's just like nice. I liked it. I, listen, he's got he's got the social media thing going on. He just he just does. He just does. He just does it right, in my opinion. Anyway, right. So, so I'm liking. I saw this him yesterday. New, yeah. Okay. I yeah. saw him yesterday with a Bitsalel Smutrich, yes. Minister of the Treasury. Mm-hmm or treasury minister, and they were talking about specific reforms to cut down on costs in Israel, slow down inflation, and slow down like the price what? hikes. Like what? Do you know of any of them? Um, there was a, like a like a, a freeze in the electric, a freeze in the uh, rise of electric prices. Because they just the, raised electricity prices right, by twenty percent. Right, a freeze on the on the Arnona, and I think a drop by 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 some twenty thirty percent. So all kinds of efforts mm. to like reduce costs now. Right, that would be great. Um, I was looking at real estate. Just like in a in a like um, a Torah newsletter, so in that Torah newsletter, they they also have like on the sides and the margins they have sometimes real estate. So I was just looking at some of the prices, just seeing what things are. I it's unrecognizable. Hmm. The price of housing is so high, and now the price of electricity went up, the price of gas went up, our Nona went up, which is um, property tax. Yeah, property tax. That's right. And people are really feeling the crunch. Right. That's Definitely. good. I'm, I'm very glad. I wish that they would drop our value added tax, our, which is called VAT, right. which is also very high. It's at 17%. And the, I and wish the, that they would drop that. That's right. And the gas tax as well. The right. gas tax. Very, very high taxes. Very high tax, which, right. which, is, which is across the board. And, and basically, uh, the p- people of less economic stature suffer more with that gas tax because it's, it doesn't change for them. You know, uh, they, they pay the same amount. It's a lot of money. Right. It's really a lot of money. Well, I'll tell you that um, that that th- so that's on the economic front. On the judicial front, there is a big controversy, and people are feeling very nervous because whenever you say the word Supreme Court, then people feel like like balances of power are just about to like f- be thrown out of whack, and then the whole thing spirals out of control and and implodes. Right, but that's just a but that's just a but that's just a that's just a scare tactic, right? Because because in the end, really, the Israeli left went, they're the ones who imploded. Right, uh, so I just want to give Israeli you two democracy. two examples of things that have happened in the last twenty years in the Supreme Court that that um, this coalition is trying to roll back a little bit. The president of the Supreme Court, he's very famous in Israel. His name is Aharon Barak, and he wrote literally he wrote the textbook 
like what they study in law school. He wrote the textbook on Israeli law, um, and he has spearheaded a lot of these reforms that that people are not so happy about that now that this coalition, or some people are not so happy about, that this coalition it wants to address. Right. This, these were done 20 years right. ago. Right. We're so here's about. two of them. I'm just going to give you two, okay? One of them is expanding the right of standing before the High Court of Justice, otherwise known as the Supreme Court, from petitioners who were directly harmed by government action to practically anybody, opening the high court's doors to professional petitioners, many of them representing anti-Israel NGOs. So in America, standing at the Supreme Court or at any court really is a, is a very big deal. If you are not being personally affected by um, the issue at hand, then you cannot come to the court and raise that question. So that's one of them. Another one um, is establishing, particularly in tax law, the dogma, this is an article that was written, that following the deduced purpose of a law is more important than adherence to the actual language of the law. This essentially permitted judges to make like their own interpretations of what a law intended to do and to create their own laws, regardless of what what, uh, lawmakers had legislated. So these are a couple of things that are that people want to address now in this coalition. Another one is another very big one is the selection of judges. This is a really big one. Um, if Yariv Levine's bill goes through, there are four changes that Yariv Levine wants to submit to the Knesset. One of them is a change in the composition of the committee to select judges. The judges will no longer choose themselves. Now, in the United States, for example, you know, if you're in America, that they're, they're always selecting Supreme Court judges, right? One will retire or pass away, and then the President of the United States will bring up another person who could be in the Supreme Court, and then they bring him into the Senate and the House, and they ask him a ton of questions, and then they decide on whether he's good or not. In Israel, no. In Israel, the judges are like, we like that judge, no, that's not exactly correct. Okay, there's there's a committee yes. that selects it. On that committee is a lot of judges and members of the bar and stuff like that, and not very many Knesset members. So they want to change the the herkev. How do you say herkev? The, the 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 makeup the, compo- the, the composition. composition. Right. In okay, so the judges will no longer choose themselves. Instead, the nine member committee will have an equal representation of three branches branches of government. So I guess there will be three people from the Knesset, three people from the executive, and three people from the judicial who will all come together uh, and make this decision. Um, Another one is reasonable cause. The, uh, The high court may no longer use the unreasonable cause argument to invalidate a government action. Um, according to this article, one of Justice Barack's ideas was that the court can rule that a legal move of the government may be struck down because a judge determines it to be unreasonable. Right. Whatever that means. Basically, basically let's, yes. let's, let's, let's shortcut it for the listeners. What we're talking about is that Aaron Barack was able to create what we call in English a super legislator. Super, legi- super legislature, okay? Which means that basically the court was more powerful than the government. Now there's reforms being introduced in order to weaken the court, right? Cause it to have, cause the Knesset to have abilities if the majority of the Knesset, i.e., the majority of the nation, wishes it to be so, to bring things that the in their minds that are on in the court's minds is unreasonable, but in the people's minds is reasonable to overturn that from the Knesset. So meaning to say the Knesset could overturn an overturning uh, of a law right, by, by, the, by, by the, the Supreme, by the court. Supreme Court. And the judges have to be uh, uh, um, picked in a way that's more representative of the people. Basically, what happens is is that in our beloved country, there is a, there is a classic elitism. Right. And that classic elitism, we're trying to break down. This happens in other places too. It's not. But it just certainly in the happens court. amongst the Jews, and so. No, I'm so, saying not just in the Supreme Court. There are other examples in which once you know, you, it's like you and your buddies control right, a right. certain thing. That's right, and so and so we're trying to break a monopoly. Right. That's basically what it is. It's a monopoly problem. We have a monopoly, which is an elitist monopoly, which thinks that they know better than the people, and now we're trying to. Uh, shrink them down to size. Right. I mean, you still do need a court of justice, certainly, right? Like the, the whole idea of a Supreme Court 
is that maybe they do know better than the people and they they have to be asked. That's right. Right. But there uh, seemed to be an imbalance on the, the, the justice part of the bran- of the three pronged br- branches got heavy. That's right. And now they get to lighten up a little right. bit. And uh, the Israeli left, uh, in order to fight this, is now organizing with European money and New Israel Fund money, organizing all these protests in the streets. There's going to be a big protest Saturday night. But those we'll pro- But those protests, at the end, I always say to them, like, you guys are great at protests. Let's see you vote. Like, the, the, the right. real... The real uh, uh, referendum is not in protests. It's in the votes. Right. And, exactly. And exactly. The people have already said what they yeah, think. Yeah, the people said what they think. That's right. And you right. just don't want to accept the will of the people. And there's more people who want to come out and protest. And that's great. And I just want to say that, that no one should get too nervous. You know, these processes where we, uh, cl- where, where the clash happens is where the truth comes out. Mm-hmm. And so it's healthy to go through these processes. It's going to be okay. Okay, Malka Fleischer, uh, we have some very special little audio clips coming up. Um, first thing, Rabbi Benjamin Newton, uh, the rabbi that married us, yes, uh, is on next. Uh, he is now Rabbi Emeritus, uh, and uh, but twenty years ago he married me and you, you and I in Hebron. That's right. Uh, so he, I caught him in Hebron. Uh, for some radio. It's a lot of fun. You're going to hear from a, a real, like, a real rabbi. A real That's rabbi. Right. And then and then after that, I, I interview uh, the maker of a new dating, Jewish dating website really? called Gamzuli. Okay? Gamzuli. That's right. It is. It, I spoke to him for That's a few minutes. That's an interesting name. Yeah, it's an interesting name. Gamzuli? Like, yeah. what? Gamzuva, Gamzuva, Gamzuli? No, I, I think... Not, it, that's not going to work. I think it comes from some... Uh, from some from some uh, rabbinic statement All right. about finding your 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 beshed, your beloved nice. one, and so we'll talk about that. And then just a few minutes of table Torah uh, here on the Ishai Fleischer show. Malka, before before we go to Rabbi Yudin, I just want to thank Yochavet Seidman, Moshe Herman, Ben Bresky, Tabitha, and Lewin were alive for helping produce the show. Thank you very much. You guys are the backbone of a great rhythm and blues band. I mean, the show, the Ishai Fleischer show. Um, so that's one. And then I also want to thank the Jewish community of Hebron, Hebron for, for keeping on, for keeping, keeping on out there, uh, and being strong for Am Israel. And you can help and support and visit and connect to the Jewish community of Hebron through hebronfund.org. Come on our tours, uh, which but given by the one and only, the great of the greats, Rabbi Simcha Hachbam. Really, really special. I want to thank, uh, the good folks at High on the Har. You want to go to the Temple Mount? Of course you do. <laughs> of course you do. Uh, and and if you if you asked your rabbi and he told you not to go, then uh, do what he says. But better not to ask. Ask. Well, uh, I don't know about better not to ask. It's very good to ask. This ultra orthodox, the social orthodox Haredi Jew told me yesterday. Yeah. He, he said to me on the Temple Mount, like you got to know, you got to know that the, the rabbis have to say what they have to say for whatever reasons. But we are starting to go up. And yesterday, there I was, are also I was on rabbis te- who will just simply tell you yes. Yeah, they'll say go for it. And yesterday, I was on the temple. That's the right kind of rabbi, and for this kind of issue, you got you got to know, you got to know when to ask. For Eretz Israel things, ask Eretz Israel rabbis. For medical issues, ask medical rabbis. For harabite issues, ask a rabbi who knows what he's talking about when it comes to harabite. Don't just ask somebody who has you know just a general sense. Specific. If you have a specific issue, you need a specialist, a rabbi specialist. In any case, uh, high and the har, rabbinically approved, uh, rabbinically uh, uh, sanctioned. Uh, and we'll get you up on the Temple Mount in a holy and awesome fashion. You're going to have a connection of your lifetime. So you're going to go to the Temple Mount. You're going to go to Hebron. You're going to come out like a different person. Do it in two days in a row. Forget about it. You're going to have you're going to have chuva sunburn, okay, because you're going to be so lit up. Um, and then you're going to be hungry. So check out Prohibition Pickle. Uh, this is what I do when I come off the Temple Mount. I'm always like, Mommy, because I was with my mom. I was like, we got to eat. We want to, again, thank so much Jamie Lee for our last week's delicious, delicious Prohibition Pickle Kiddush. And we blessed you multiple times. That's right. That's right. At it, our Shabbos table. That's right. That happens. That's right. It's off and air. We really want to thank you. And it was, a it's very, not recorded. It was very sweet. And it was a it was a blessing for us. And we There's enjoyed no it. There's no meme made. And we had guests. And we were able to share to share that fun with the guests. That's right. So that's prohibitionpickle.co.il. Delicious Ashkenazi a revival, spiritual Shabbos, yum yums. Uh, that will make your Shabbat awesome here in the land of Israel. Send it to yourself. Send it to a friend. Order it from Chaim, uh, coupon code Yishai, and you're in business for an awesome Shabbos. Shabbos is almost here. 
Uh, and I want to thank the good folks at um, the Israel Bible for making a wunderbar Bible, really beautiful. Uh, Gutenberg would be jealous to see what a beautiful Bible. He would be proud to see yeah, that. Yeah, I don't know if he'd be jealous. He'd be proud. Yeah. He'd be proud. Proud. That, uh, that, he was German. I don't know. Yeah. No, Austrian? Uh, I don't remember. In any case, he uh, um, today's Israel Bible is a beautiful Bible. Theisraelbible.com forward slash, not forward slash, coupon code Yishai. Beautiful Bible, beautiful writing, beautiful text, and a beautiful addition to your shelf and also into your heart and mind. That's right. The Bible's not just for shelving. Don't shelve. Nobody puts the Bible in the corner. That's yeah. what I say. Um, and then and then finally, our good friends at Retro Watch Guy. I was just on their Instagram page. There's another Tissot out there. I got one Tissot, but there's another Tissot out there at Retro Watch Guy that you're going to love. And you can have a Shabbos watch or a, or a, sh- a watch for your son-in-law that uh, is getting, that is marrying your daughter, uh, whoever Just it is. Just a nice birthday watch. Nice birthday watch for that for that special man in your life, or that or that or that that I found that giving a watch to we gave a I gave a watch to our son our like when he was like nine that changed his life. Yeah, he loves his watch. Yeah, that made his life a better place because he's got that watch. Uh, so a, a good watch will make a good man even better. So check out Retro Watch. That's my slogan. RetroWatchGuy.com. Uh, also coupon code Yishai. Uh, all right, Marcus. So that's all the friends. No, we also have a JewishPress.com. They right. make they make our uh, show widely available and free. Oh, and Yochavit Seidman, uh, producer of the show, told me to tell you, oh, delightful listeners, that according to um, um, Google ratings writings, they say, that a, a many star rating and even a comment as much as like if you put a comment on the podcast that says on your podcast reader that says good yeah love it yeah you put in those two words it changes your rating wow in terms of podcast please guys guys wait let's take a second guys there are other people putting out podcasts that have to do with israel palestine all this stuff please please help our show to go a little bit higher so that other people will get to hear the message that you have so enjoyed over the course of the time that you've been listening. We need your help. And that is something, you know, you, we don't, we, we really appreciate a kiddish from, from uh, prohibition pickle, but what we really want to do is get our message out there, get your message out there uh, far and wide. So please help us just take a minute and it is free. Go up there. Just give us a rating, put a little comment. It will do so much like, like it. Yeah. Like it. Listen to this. I enjoy it. Or laughy emoji. That's right. That's enough. All right, folks. Malka Fleischer, I want to thank you so much for uh, joining me today. Uh, and I wish you a Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat shalom. May God guide your ways and your decisions and your, your, your child rearing. Amen. And your, and your food making and your, and your good walks and your, and your, and your good work. I continue to be blessed. And I bless everybody out there around the world uh, with lots of love and lots of blessings from the land of blessings. Our show is not done. we got more on the way. Here comes Rabbi Benjamin Yudin, an old school rabbi, for you to hear from uh, who's got messages that are timely as ever, from Sinai to today. All right, folks, we'll be right back. Stay tuned, stay strong, and shalom. Don't worry. The Ishai Fleischer Show will be right back, so stay tuned. All right, folks, Ishai Fleischer here, and I'm, I'm in Hebron at the Gutnick Center next to the pizza place, uh, and I'm sitting here with one of my beloved rabbis, Rabbi Benjamin Newton, who's now the rabbi emeritus at Shomri Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, and has really raised many generations of, uh, of Torah followers. Uh, students taught many, many thousands, including at Yeshiva University, where he's taught for many tens of years, uh, and has been a rabbi at uh, the Fairlawn Synagogue for 50 years, and now is emeritus, still there, st- still teaching five classes a week, Baruch Hashem. Uh, and uh, amongst uh, his many accomplishments, including also being one of the pioneers of teaching uh, not yet observant Jews at Yeshiva University, amongst many other uh, successes. Oh, and another one is helping my parents get closer to Yiddishkeit through a, an amazing and innovative class for specifically Russian Jews uh, in Fairlawn, which my parents attended religiously, pun intended. And uh, amongst those things, he also has the distinguished honor of being the Masada Kedushin for our wedding 20 years ago here at this very place, uh, which uh, was a very special event, three or four buses uh, of guests, and uh, at the time where people were not getting married in Hebron. And now he's here uh, with a group of YU students, uh, and of course visiting his family. Many of his kids live here in Eretz Yisrael, and many on the way as well. Uh, Rabbi Benjamin Newton, thank you so much for joining us. 
What is chus? That's just the only word I can use. It's a treat to be here, to connect Baruch Hashem with history and destiny. That says it all. To be in Eretz Yisrael, to realize that HaKadosh Baruch Hu babysat the land for us. What does that mean? If you want to know, how do I know that the Torah is real? How do I know? I'll tell you exactly how. Go to the end of the book of Ayikra. And there, at the end of the book of Ayikra, you have a Tochacha. Not the most exciting part of the Torah, but it's real. And the Torah says, if unfortunately we should deviate from the ideal ways of Torah, we're going to be scattered throughout the world. Ouch. Now what? What do you mean, now what? You lose your land, other people will come to the land, and they're going to settle it, and goodbye. No. The Torah promises, Vashimosi ani esa'aretz. God said, I will keep the land desolate, and the land will be desolate for your enemies. What does that mean? It means it won't produce. They will try to plant oranges and grapefruits and any and everything else that you have growing in Eretz Yisrael, and it's not going to happen. If it's not going to happen, they can't settle the land. Fast forward to 1948. There was a soft spot that obviously, oh yeah, yeah, Lowellino after the show, ah, the world said, okay, maybe let's give the Jews a little bit of a break. Had the the land of Israel been built up at that time with communities and schools and, and everything else, you know, supermarkets and everything. They couldn't blow a whistle and say, everybody out. It was desolate. How could that be? Take a look at what New York City was like in 1948. You had apartment houses. You had a complete, amazing, you know, developed communities. How do you explain the difference? And the answer is one word, Torah. God promised. And guess what? Take a look what's going on in this land today. I'll ask everybody, what is the national bird of Israel? So you're going to say, I don't even know the national bird of America, but I know the national bird of Israel. It's the crane. What does that mean? Wherever you go, you see building. When I grew up, the term six million loalenu only meant one thing, that there was six million kadoshim in the Shoah. And now, who could have imagined that there's more than six million Jews, Cain Yirbu, living in Eretz Yisrael? So... Once again, yeah, this is the land of history. We connect with Baruch Hashem, where I'm sitting now, in Hebron, near, and I hope to visit in Davin Mincha today, at Morat HaMachpelah. But it's the land of destiny, namely HaKadosh Baruch who promises that this land is going to be settled, and there's going to be, as the Navi said, there's going to be Zakanim and elderly people and Noorim and young children playing, you see it in front of your eyes. There's nothing less than a terrific Aschalta de Geula, and it's up to all of us to continue to perpetuate this beautiful um, land of ours, people of ours, just so proud to be here. Thank you so much, Isha. Rabbi, let me ask you a, a, a tricky question a little bit, which is really a question of our time. On the one hand, you were a rabbi for many years and continue to be a rabbi at a very prominent American Jewish community. That community also sent out a lot of people to immigrate to the land of Israel, and even those who didn't immigrate. Many own apartments here, many send their kids here, and there's no question that especially from your kind of synagogue, which I have a hard time probably finding an exact name for it, it's a Torah community in the end, um, is, has a bridge towards Eretz Yisrael. At the same time, we also see it growing, and you told me that Fairlawn, and I've heard myself, that Fairlawn is growing very much, and in a sense, that's a good thing. Yeah, it's, there's a good thing that community, Jewish Torah communities are growing, but we have this tension. We have this tension between these two worlds, and even within yourself, there's a tension of uh, you know, continuing our American Jewish project and the Torah project there, and at the same time settling our land, bringing home our, our Jewish people, in gathering the exiles. So tell me a little bit about, about you know, your life. An another example is the Yeshiva University. Yeshiva University, my alma mater. I was there for seven years in, in different capacities. Um, but at the same time, I sometimes am a little bit miffed 
at my at my alma mater for not creating more of a bridge towards Eretz Israel and kind of kind of stopping it at the edge of the Harlem River. So I I, I kind of want to ask you to give me a window into this time and into the tension between diaspora Jewry and Israeli Jewry. Where are we going? How do we how do we reconcile these two different trajectories, or are they different? It's a very very difficult question that you're asking because needless to say the Rambam is right when he writes <coughs> that a person is very much influenced by their surroundings needless to say where they are brought up there's the on the one hand familial attachment on the other hand as well I hate to say it but the golden Medina of Eretz Yisrael excuse me of America gives people the opportunity to uh, to be in, quote-unquote, this world and to be in a Torah environment as well. Not that one can't have it here, and Adarabah vi Adarabah. However, very often there is the difficulty of, quote-unquote, leaving uh, family, uh, the, uh, the difficulties of uprooting oneself, I think the answer is that gradually, and I'm thinking I I see it more and more now, and I'm going to say this, that we say on the Musaf of every Shalosh Regalim, we say, What does that mean? It means that because, unfortunately, when we lived in Eretz Yisrael, we didn't live up to our responsibilities. We were sent into Golos Mayar Tzainu. Today, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is helping things along. I can't believe the America that we're living in today, that I am, is so different than 50 years ago. There's no question. Forgive me. 50 years ago, I woke up in the morning, and I know I am a man. And Baruch Hashem, today I wake up, and I know I am a man. And I say... Baruch Hashem, thank you every morning, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, for making me a man and for giving me Hadracha in my life. However, in America today, you can wake up tomorrow and say, excuse me, today I am a woman, and I want you to respect me for that, etc. And if you don't um, comply with that, you're going to find yourself in serious legal problems. I am a woman tomorrow. So it's not only, Mamish, the very identity, which is sounds crazy and thank God it's not rampant but enough around you that you say hey something is wrong what's going on here that people and as well as politics etc within HaKadosh Baruch Hu runs the world I really believe he wants us home and he by allowing and forgive me maybe even encouraging these kinds of negative behaviors back home it's happening. Listen carefully, everybody. Because of the craziness which is out there in America and in other places, I don't even want to mention the dirty word anti-Semitism, etc., which is unfortunately propping up its ugly head again, and the terrible uh, anti-Israel on the college campus, all these are quiet positive factors which are bringing us home. So the answer is, Yishai, more and more people are, Baruch Hashem, investing in Eretz Yisrael. More and more people are coming home. And uh, he, capital H, directs history and destiny. And it's happening right before our eyes. It is happening, and uh, uh, even members of your family uh, have become... Uh, uh, um, important people and rabbis in f- fledgling communities that are kind of just born out of uh, out of empty hilltops, hills uh, around the Beit Shemesh area, especially where there's a great conglomeration of uh, Anglo Jewry. Uh, there's even a cemetery for Anglo Jewry there, um, and uh, and I, th- I know that for you it's a big point of pride. Uh, that your family members are indeed succeeding here in Eretz Israel, and more are on the way. So that's very, very exciting. Uh, with regarding to anti-Semitism, Rabbi, I must tell you that I was recently pretty shocked. I don't get shocked that often, but I was shocked in a real way when I heard secular kids brought here by the OU 
that I must also point out uh, and compliment that the OU NCSY brings their secular programs to here, to Marat Machpelah, to the Tomb of the Patriarchs and Matriarchs. I was speaking to kids from Fairlawn specifically, and they told me that in the secular high schools in Fairlawn, they are facing anti-Semitism with uh, swastikas on the bathroom walls, with being thrown pennies at, all kinds of stuff like that, where they're really feeling it. And they, they, so much so that they talked to me for 10-15 minutes, kept telling me how they're feeling out there. I was very surprised since I was you know, partially raised in Fairlawn, you know, close by, and I felt connections to the community, and yet it's it's really changing for our young people. That is a different America. I never felt any anti-Semitism, and I grew up in a much more Gentile town uh, nearby. So that's definitely uh, changing. Um, final question, Rabbi, and I got to let you go learn some Torah here in Hebron. Uh, do you remember uh, our wedding, and do you have any recollections that you can tell us from that? I can only say that I had the schluss of being a rabbi for. 50 years in the same congregation and if you were to ask me for one of the highlights of the schus of being rav was to get to know Yishai's parents his father's and his mom should live and be well and having they, he and his siblings become thank God a part of our mishpacha, the Yudin family I'm so proud so when he told me he was getting married in Eretz Yisrael and asked me if I wouldn't have that schus to come I can only tell you that I remember then, I believe there was only music coming from the Ma'ara, if I remember correctly, on the day after Simchas Torah, once a year. And however, the exception was made, because Yishai Baruch Hashem always finds the way, he had music coming out of the Ma'ara uh, that night for several hours. The dancing outside, I am still energized. And I believe if anybody wants to know where does Yishai and Malka, they should live and be well, where do they get their incredible uh, energy? So I can tell you, I remember them when we were together in Washington, D.C., and we were at that time protesting on behalf of Russian Jewry, going back quite a few years now, before they were even married. So Baruch Hashem. Their, their wedding was a, a highlight. As he said, three, four buses came to dance with him. And uh, once again, this is the, the idea that Eretz Yisrael is Lamala min hateva. You can feel it, that this is literally beyond the natural. It's mystical. Some things you just can't put into words. You just know that you're in God's country. So to have this chus, and you can look at his ksuba, that I had the chance to write in his ksuba, Chevron Ir HaKodesh. Wow! That's something that you don't have. And they should continue to be this incredible inspiration to all of us for many good years to come. Rabbi Benjamin Newton is the Rabbi Emeritus of Shomri Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey. A rabbi, a Rebbe. Uh, a Rosh Hashiva, they call it, at Yeshiva University, uh, for many, many years. Uh, and uh, it's continuing to inspire generation after generation. Rabbi Yudin, continue to have great health and atzlacha. And thank you so much for visiting us yet again in Hebron, once again, 20 years later. God bless you. Ishai needs coffee. Please help support the show by buying Ishai coffee at buymeacoffee.com forward slash Ishai. Thank you and Lechaim. All right, folks, Yishai Fleischer here. I'm inside the Maratha Machpelah. I just toured a group of uh, great YU, Shiva University kids. And one of the rabbis that's guiding them around today is Rabbi Matt Levy, who was uh, a rabbi of a big shul. Uh, he'll tell us about it in a second. And one of the things he noticed is that there were just a lot of singles who were not meeting properly, who were having a hard time you know, connecting with one another, although they may fit and they may be right next to each other, but there was like things that limit them society that didn't let them you know, meet with one another. He's created a new app, which is called Gamzuli, Gamzuli, right? Is that right? Did I say it right? Gamzuli, right? Gamzuli, which means th- this too. Why would you want to explain? I would say this too is for us. I, the idea is Gamzuli is Gamzulatova. We're looking for a positive spin, and the whole idea is to empower singles to meet and date. That was why this was developed because. Wasn't such a big show, but a lot of singles there, and uh, and, I, and I saw that there was a problem. I'll tell you, this is beautiful. So, of course, being a rabbi of a show, we always have singles over on Friday night and whatnot. Of course, the conversation goes to the woes of the dating world, and and so the, and so the idea was uh, after one heated Friday night meal, we go to bed, 
My wife has a dream. In the morning she wakes up, she says, this is what we're doing. I said, honey, we're making Aliyah in another six months. We, we want to we put stuff towards a home. We wanna, we, she said, no, this is what we're doing. And my wife's already like this, and of course I'm a good husband, so I listened to her. And that's what we've done. And now 11 months later, we just launched. And God, thank God we've had people starting to join. It's looking great all over the world. UK, um, uh, Jerusalem, Toronto. We're trying to expand more and more. And so, uh, so that, that's where we're at. We've, find, we've seen Hasidim on it. We've seen modern Orthodox, people from Lakewood, and everything in between. We're really trying to empower people to meet and date. Gamzuli.com. Now, this is for Orthodox Jews, or is it for any kind of Jews? But it's for Jews, right? It's, for, it's designed for the observant Jew. Right. I would say if you're from, you keep Shabbos, you keep kosher, and you're single, come to the site. Okay. And you also have a bit of a, a special um, chap, a trick, a little, a little a technique, shall we say, to get people to connect. What's your technique? So, so I'll say like this. The questionnaire that we have, it's innovative. It's really, it's fun. So, you know, get a sense of who you are. Who you are and where you're from. After that, then the idea is like this. We basically give you a certain amount of matches every week. You can look at their profile, see how they've answered. And now here's the real thing. Wait, wait, how do you how do you pick those? Is that is that a, is that an algorithm or is that like a person looking at it? So we have an algorithm, all right? And it's basically uh, you can calibrate things and so you get what you're looking for. Straight up, no in between. Again, we're trying to give you as much power and control as you can. Then the next thing is, the first time you meet is for 15 minutes on a video chat on our site. Mm. 15 minutes, it's out. It's out. It's over after that. So that way, the idea is, instead of doing all this, you know, looking for somebody beforehand, all this references and whatnot, get a sense of this person. Instead of wasting an hour, a whole evening. So a 15-minute video chat on yours so they don't have to, like, give each other's, uh, uh, you know, details exactly. and all that. So it's a safe space, shall we call it. 100%. Okay, and they meet on, now, now it's Gamzuli. Which is, you know, listen, if it's successful, it's great. Sounds really important. A lot of people tell me they're trying to you know, meet somebody they can't. Just tell me finally, um, what is the, what is it, a download? What, what is it on the phone? What is it, a website? It, it, it's a web app, so technically it's a URL, gamzuli.com. You'll get right there. And then, and, and, and then uh, that's it. So you don't need to download anything. Eventually, we want to get a web app. Right now, we've just launched it. And so, again, URL, gamzuli.com. G-A-M-Z-U-L-I.com. Sounds really great, Rabbi Levy. Uh, Matt Levy, I want to thank you very much. And thank you for stopping me and talking to about this. And uh, we hope that, that uh, Gamzuli will become a regular sponsor of the Yishai Fleischer Show. And hopefully, because there's nothing greater. And we're here at the Tomb of the Patriarchs and Matriarchs, the first place of couples. Mizrat Hashem, continue to be successful in bringing uh, Jewish people together. God bless you. Trying to make it happen. Thank you so much, Rabbi. All right, folks, you are listening to the Yishai Fleischer Show. Thank you so much for being with me. And just a few minutes of Table Torah here. You know, um, I've been taking this uh, this course about Jewish archaeology, Israeli archaeology, or Middle Eastern archaeology. Archaeology. I found out one piece of info, which you know, my mo- one piece of information which my mom, of course, already knew, and she knew all the names and all the stuff. But basically, from the Iron Age, and that is the age of around the time that the Jewish people come to the land of Israel, there are four steels, four of these monoliths these like blocks that have the story of uh, certain kings or certain empires. They're very beautiful. There are four of them that have the uh, name of Israel from about 3,200 years ago, 3,400 years ago, 2,900 years ago. There is a, 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 a steel from the Assyrian Empire. There's a steel from the Moabites. There's a steel from the Aram uh, empire, and then there's a steel also from the Egyptian Empire, and they all mention Israel. And here's what's amazing is that those steels, some of them say we conquered Israel, all kinds of stuff like that. They mention Israel. All those nations, all those peoples are gone. There are no Assyrians. There are no Aramites. There are no or Arameans exactly, or there's certainly no kingdom like that. There's no Moabites, and there's no uh, ancient Egyptians. They're all gone. And the Jewish people are around. And that is one of the greatest mysteries. And for a person who thinks about it um, for a while and deeply, comes to the conclusion that if you want proof for the existence of God, all you need to do is believe that the existence of the Jewish people is miraculous and is anti-historical or contra-historical or uber-historical. 
the existence of the Jewish people is the greatest proof for the existence of God. <clears throat> no matter what Yuval Noah Harari says, the the continuing uh, saga of the Jewish people and continued vivaciousness, vitality of the Jewish people is the greatest mirror to the existence of God in this world. Now, why do I mention that on Table Torah today? Because one of the most dramatic scenes in the whole Bible, and the Bible has these beautiful, these beautiful scenes that, that they're beckoning, beckoning you to imagine. And one of them is Moses with the burning bush. Moses with the burning bush. To me, by the way, Moses with the burning bush is a, the burning bush presages, shows, makes a preview of the menorah in Jerusalem. It's the light uh, to the world. And first, it's a light to Moses. You're going to spread that light to the world. And the mystery, and I read this in a rabbinic text, that the real mystery that Moses wanted to understand is how could it be that the Jewish people continue to survive? How could, they, how could it be that they were meant to be swallowed up in Egypt? That's the dream of Pharaoh. I'm going to swallow the Jews up. My cow is going to swallow up their cow, and they're not going to be, there's not going to be a remnant left of the Jews. How could it be that under these conditions, the Jewish people continue to survive? How could it be that under slavery, how could it be that under the Holocaust, the Jewish people continue to, to survive? How could it be? And when God shows up to him in a burning bush, God shows him a bush that's eaten, inflamed, engulfed in flames, but is not destroyed, but is not, but is not decomposed. It doesn't burn up. It just, there's a fire on it, and yet it continues to be effervescent and continuously, you know, has uh, uh, what's the word for uh, a machine that doesn't stop? A perpetual motion machine. The Jewish people, what, what drives them? What's the engine of this, of this perpetuity? How does it work? And that's the mystery. And God tells them basically that I'm behind the mystery. Like the, the Jewish people are a reflection of, of me in this world. And therefore, they're going to be burnt up, but not going to be eaten. They're not going to be destroyed. They, they won't be burnt up. There'll be a fire. And instead of a fire that eats, let's turn it into a fire of light, a fire of the menorah in the temple that is supposed to send a light out to the world of God's existence. It's the opposite of nihilism. It's purpose, it's, purpose, it's, it's meaning, it's light, it's direction, it's blessing, it's family. It's empowerment, it's achievement, it's service uh, of God, and it's not a self-service. It's, it's a service of, of the other. It's, it's love of mankind, love of your neighbor, love of your brothers, but at the same time, in, all in the service of Hashem. And that's the message, which is, uh, which is I'm going to show you a, a, way, a redemption for the Jewish people, but it's a light to the world. I'm going to show you why the Jewish people survive, but it's really in order to reflect me, God says, in this world. And that's what the burning bush is about. Uh, I hope indeed that you feel the, the light of the burning bush, that it heats you up in this cold winter, uh, and that it gives you hope that there's going to be a third temple in Yerushalayim. Ladies and gentlemen, we are living in the time of the greatest revelation possible. And with that is tremendous, tremendous challenges. Uh, we have to... We have to we have to see that light, help other people see it, and come to consciousness. That's really what, what, what the whole revolution that we're living in is that health is less of an issue and, and keeping warm is less of an issue. We have houses, we have heaters, we have washing machines. Now it's a time of consciousness. That is what this time is about. We're living in a time where the paramount thing is the consciousness. And we can now, through this technology, use it for a heightened consciousness and not a lowered consciousness. So I do want to bless all of you guys for heightened consciousness. I want to thank you very much for being with me. Uh, and I want to ask you to write me an email, yishayishayfleischer.com. I want to thank uh, Krista uh, for uh, buying me some coffee at buymeacoffee.com. And also Brent for uh, buying me a coffee. He brought me like 20 coffees. That was really nice of you. And Steve bought me a coffee. And folks, just go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash yishay. It's a very nice way 
uh, to show appreciation, and that's that's just it's just sweet. So thank you very much. Uh, please also take the time to rate the podcast highly. Just write a word like love it or whatever it is, and that makes a big difference in other people people being able to find and growing our international Torah community. Blessed here from the land of Israel. So I want to thank all of you out there. I want to thank all of our sponsors and all the f- folks that make the show happen. And I want to thank Hashem God Almighty for directing us and giving us opportunities to serve Him and honor Him and give His name uh, the recognition that it deserves uh, because He is the creator of heaven and earth and the guider of us uh, to honor His name and to bear witness to His revelation in this great time. God bless you folks. More great stuff is on the way. Lots of love and lots of blessings from the land of blessings. And Shalom. <laughs>